This is Examine Sport, a podcast of the Sports Ethicist. I am your host, Sean Klein. Each episode of Examine Sport focuses on an argument or concept in the philosophy of sport literature. We will look at classic, discipline-defining articles, exciting, newly published works, and dig deep for important but not as well-known papers. You can subscribe, comment, and find an archive of all the shows, along with links and related information, at sportsethicist.com. In a previous episode, I looked at James Keating's classic account of sportsmanship. Keating gave an influential account of sportsmanship that tied sportsmanship to two, on his view, very different kinds of activities. Sports and athletics, an act one, an activity where shared pleasure was the goal, sport, and an activity where honorable victory was the goal, athletics. Now from this sharp distinction, Keating argued that genuine sportsmanship was marked by those virtues that increased the shared pleasure for all and that athletic sportsmanship was marked by a a commitment to the fair and equal application of the rules along with the virtues of self-control. Now in this episode, I'm going to look at an important challenge to Keating's account, Randolph Fiesel's Sportsmanship, published in the Journal of the Philosophy of Sport in 1986. Now first I want to briefly look at Fiesel's criticism of Keating and then look at Fiesel's own account of sportsmanship as presented in this paper. Now Fiesel notes Keating's importance in bringing philosophic attention to the concept of sportsmanship, but challenges the sharp distinction between sport and athletics that Keating's account depends on. Quote, Keating has offered an excellent framework within which to initiate an understanding of sportsmanship, but I do not believe he is correct in radically separating sports and athletics, end quote. So this is not merely a criticism of the terms used. Fiesel is rejecting the dichotomy between the two kinds of activities, regardless of the words used to identify them. So Fiesel identifies two main problems with Keating's account. First, he says Keating misunderstands the nature of play and its relationship to sport. And second, Keating incorrectly assumes an exclusivity of the psychology of player and athlete. That is, Keating's account makes use of and depends upon not just the distinction between the activities, but also between those who engage in them. The psychology, the motivation, the goals, the attitudes of the participants also need to be just as radically separate as the activities themselves, on Keating's view. So Keating's account presupposes that we can easily identify who is a player, who is someone engaged in the activity of shared pleasure, and who is an athlete, the one pursuing honorable victory. But of course, it's not that straightforward. Humans are complex creatures with complex motivations. As Fiesel explains, we often are, quote, simultaneously player and athlete, and our attitudes are at once both playful and competitive, end quote. But these problems both rest on the misunderstanding of the nature of play and its relationship to sport, so that's what I'm going to focus on next. Now, Fiesel defines sport as a, quote, formal competitive variety of human play. Well, so then what is play? Now, we've talked about that in previous episodes, but Fiesel presents several common characteristics of play. 
It's an activity that's freely engaged in. It's voluntary. Play is engaged in a, a play world, an extraordinary world, a, a world where the ordinary rules, the ordinary way of thinking about things is suspended temporarily in order for the activity. And this gives it an internal meaning and structure. And ultimately, we do this because it's fun, because it provides us with enjoyment. It's joyful. Now, sport has all these characteristics as well. It's freely engaged in. And then sport, through its structures of formal rules and competition, creates this extraordinary world, this suspension of the ordinary for the sake of the game. And then in this way, rules and competitive structure provide internal meaning for the participants. And ultimately, there's a kind of joy to the sport, an exhilaration, an excitement. Now, with its more formal structure, sport highlights an important aspect of all play, a balance of internal and external seriousness. Now, understanding this balance is key to understanding Fiesel's view of sportsmanship. So first, external seriousness is, quote, the recognition that there are obviously more important values in life than the value of improving sporting skills and winning games, end quote. Now, sports can be very important to athletes and spectators alike. We often speak of fans who live and die for their team. Athletes playing are deeply immersed in the reality of the game and forget about the external world until something terrible happens and that all comes crashing back. An injury on the field, the death of a loved one, some natural disaster. These things remind us that the real ordinary world exists and has a weight that the game doesn't have. Ultimately, nothing much really hangs on the game. But games do have a kind of seriousness of their own. Now, Fiesel says, quote, When we play a game, we accept the arbitrary way in which means are used to achieve certain ends because we simply want to make the activity possible. End quote. So we have to take the game seriously. We can't, we can't just treat it as mere frolic. We have to accept the rules, the structure, and we have to treat these as important, as having a pull on our actions. Fuzel goes on to tell us that, quote, if, some, if someone isn't serious in this sense, he might be accused of not playing the game at all. Right? Failing to take the game seriously undermines the game. You are a spoil sport or a cheat. Either way, you are failing to play the game in some real way. Now, Fiesel is going to rest much of his view of sportsmanship on these, on these ideas of external and internal seriousness. Now, Fiesel treats sportsmanship as a kind of virtue, and in particular, a virtue that fits Aristotle's view of the virtues. Aristotle regards virtue as a means between extremes, more precisely between too little, something deficient, or too much, something in excess. So virtue is the intermediate condition between the extremes of behavior. Take, for example, learning how to drive stick shift. You have to find the right balance of the clutch and the gas. Too much, cl too much clutch and the car isn't going to go anywhere. Too little and the car is not going to go anywhere because it's going to stall. Right? You need to find the sweet spot of the right amount of clutch and the right amount of gas for the car to go. And so virtue is like that by analogy, right? It's, it's finding that sweet spot of appropriate action, finding not doing too little, but not doing too much, finding the right amount that's necessary, that's appropriate. 
So think of the virtue of courage, right? It's not being rash and it's not being cowardly. It's having the appropriate response and action in a situation of danger. So being virtuous is habitually acting, feeling, quote, at the right times, about the right things, towards the right people, for the right end, and in the right way. And the right here means appropriate or fitting or proper, given the particulars of the situation, those, those doing the acting, those uh, uh, acting toward, the, those to whom you're acting towards, and, and in what the situation is, and so on. Again, going back to the example of courage, what's proper for a firefighter during a house fire is not necessarily the same thing that's proper for an untrained bystander. Running into a building might be proper for the firefighter, but it would be foolhardy for the bystander, and the bystander would likely endanger more people uh, rather than, than otherwise. And so depending on the things, the time, the people, the purposes, the means available, that's going to be part of what is going to be the determinative of what the proper sort of action will be. So how does this relate to Fizel's account of sportsmanship? Well, it's like a virtue. It's targeted at the mean, the sweet spot of the appropriate level of seriousness or the appropriate level of, the, of play, of the spirit of play. It's about playing with the proper attitude and appropriate spirit of play. Quote, Sportsmanship is a mean between excessive seriousness, which misunderstands the importance of the play spirit, and excessive, an excessive sense of playfulness, which might be called frivolity, and which misunderstands the importance of victory and achievement when play is competitive. So it's the appropriate balance of the internal and external sense of seriousness, of, in some ways, seriousness and non-seriousness. So, quote, the good sport is both serious and non-serious, end quote. And so what Fizel means by that is, to be a good sport, we can't be devoid of seriousness. That's just frolicking and messing around. It misses the importance of achievement, of excellence, of victory. But we can't be too serious either. This warps the proper perspective and attitude that we ought to have. It exaggerates the importance of victory so that one goes too far. They cheat or they harm their opponent. Think of the uh, famous case of Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. It's certainly a case of, of one opponent uh, seeking to harm another opponent and, and taking the importance of the victory much too far. Or think of the fictional example of Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid uh, films. Those are individuals competing in, in karate uh, and, and uh, having a very warped sense of what is the appropriate sorts of attitudes to take into competition. And so we need to be both serious and non-serious, having the right balance of seriousness and non-seriousness to be good sports. So how do we use this concept, this conception of virtue of sportsmanship? How do we apply it to how we are going to engage in sport and evaluate how others play? Well, much like Aristotelian virtue in general, there's really no precise formula for applying it. The particulars of any given situation play too big a part to know beforehand what is precisely required of virtue. But the conception can help us to guide and think about our behavior. It tells us to strive for the proper amount, to make sure that we don't have too much play spirit or non-seriousness, otherwise the structure of the sport is lost. It tells us to make sure that we don't have too little play spirit 
We don't focus too much on the external seriousness of it, or else the essence of why we play or why we watch will be lost. Now, typically, bad sportsmanship often results from the uh, too little play spirit rather than the too much, although that certainly can be the case. But typically, it's going to come more from the too little play spirit taking the game too serious, uh, seriously. And so one way to be a good sport using this model is to maybe err a little bit more towards more play spirit, keeping in mind the ultimate non-seriousness of it all to make sure that we don't go too far uh, by having too little play spirit. Now there is a, a variance of the appropriate play spirit across the continuum from amateur or low-level sport to elite professional or high-level sport. And so to be a good sport is to strive for the appropriate amount given the kind, of activity it, the kind of activity it is. What is appropriate for the World Series is going to be different than a club team uh, at the local Y. So in the end, we can see that Fizel and Keating are not that far off from each other. The main difference is that while Keating sees two distinct activities and downplays the importance of play in athletics, Fizel sees the requirements of sportsmanship as existing uh, along a continuum with a role for play at all levels to determine how that sportsmanship is going to be uh, uh, brought to bear in the given activity. Thank you for listening to Examine Sport. You can subscribe, comment, and find an archive of all the shows, along with links and related information at sportsethicist.com. Please also consider rating the show on iTunes, liking it on YouTube, and sharing on Facebook, Twitter, and elsewhere. You can email the show, sportsethicist, at gmail.com. Thank you.